the nation's capital. This is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Seitz. We are here, ladies and gentlemen, to recognize pretrial probation and parole supervision week by interviewing three people from the District of Columbia's Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency and Pretrial Services as to the contributions of pretrial and parole and probation agents make in the nation's capital and their contributions towards our public safety. To do that, we have three guests at our microphones. Tom Williams, Associate Director of Community Supervision Services, again, Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency, Yolanda Bethay, the Associate Director, again, Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency, and Catherine Terry Kusar, she's the Associate Director of Operations of the Pretrial Services Agency uh, at the District of Columbia, or in the District of Columbia, and to Tom, and to Yolanda, and to Catherine. Welcome to D.C. Public Safety. Well, pleasure to be here, Lynn. All right, we're here to recognize the contributions of our employees, uh, recognizing uh, uh, the pretrial probation and parole supervision week as sponsored by the American Probation and Parole Association. It's celebrated during the month of July. There are over 5 million adults on community supervision. Most of these individuals are monitored by pretrial probation and parole officers. Community corrections professionals must be creative in finding solutions to making sure that they supervise and have the support to find jobs, housing, and treatment by collaborating with community leaders and volunteers. Uh, they make a huge difference in the lives of the individuals they have currently under supervision. But the bottom line in all that, that's reading from the American Probation and Parole Association's new um, uh, press release. The bottom line behind all of this is that our people that we call not parole and probation agents, but community supervision officers, the bottom line is, is that our people, when people involved in community supervision throughout the District of Columbia and throughout the country make a meaningful contribution to public safety, correct, Tom Williams? That's exactly right, Lynn. Uh, and certainly uh, one of the things that we want to highlight with regards to uh, this important week is the great work that our staff does on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, a lot of people just don't realize that in the District of Columbia, uh, we are a federal agency, uh, and we're responsible for supervising those persons that the Superior Court for the District of Columbia will grant probation, and on those persons who enter the correctional system, uh, as most of your guests will not um, be aware of, is that the district does not have a local uh, prison system. Uh, anyone that's sentenced to a term of incarceration in the District of Columbia uh, is sent to the Bureau of Prisons, and that could be anywhere within the continent of the United States. Uh, and then there's an effort uh, with regards to reentry for those persons coming back. Uh, and then when they do come back to the District of Columbia, then our staff uh, is the ones that are responsible for supervising uh, these cases, which is different from U.S. Uh, district Court. Catherine, what you do on the pretrial side is unique because I've taken a look at your stats over the course of years, and you've got an extraordinary return rate of people who actually show up for their court dates and without committing new crimes between their arrest and their court date. I mean, pretrial has been phenomenally successful. Yes, Lynn, we are very proud of the national reputation we have and the rate of return we have for defendants who are released to pretrial services. Similar to CISOSA, many individuals do not know the services that we provide here in the District of Columbia for both D.C. Superior Court as well as U.S. District Court, where we're responsible for gathering information on newly arrested defendants and preparing recommendations for the court's consideration to make decisions in terms of their release options. PSA is known nationally for making recommendations for the least restrictive conditions to promote public safety 
and the return to court. And as a result of our work, virtually no defendants currently in the District of Columbia are unreleased on a surety bond. You know, I'm very proud of our agency, Yolanda Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency, and our partnership with pretrial services here in, in the nation's capital. We are recognized, I believe, I believe fairly, as one of the best, if not, in my opinion, the best parole and probation agency in the United States and probably the best pretrial services agency in the United States, much of which is due to the person sitting to your left, Tom Williams. Um, but that's my opinion. Is it yours? Absolutely. Um, I am very proud to work for the Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency. And the theme for um, the Pre-Trial Parole and Probation Week is a worldwide force for change. And since my time of, of being here with CISOSA, I can definitely say that we are an agency committed uh, to change and to helping offenders become productive citizens. And I'm very proud to be a part of the organization. You know, our people, let's get down to what our people do on a day-to-day -day basis. It is phenomenally difficult. All of us have been involved in the criminal justice system through years, through throughout the decades. Um, working with people caught up in the criminal justice system is extraordinarily difficult. The great majority of histories of substance abuse. Um, if you count self-assessments, 50% have histories of mental health problems. Um, women caught up in the criminal justice system often have histories of sexual violence. We, we deal with individuals either on probation or come out of the prison system, and they are challenging human beings. Um, and it's just not a matter of will. You have to be creative. You have to be really innovative in terms of breaking down barriers to try to help that an individual become a productive member of society. Uh, Lynn, you're exactly right. And um, you described a population that um, many of the, your public or your listeners really are not aware of. Uh, we have uh, basically the whole gamut from low-level cases uh, that come to us through the Superior Court for the District of Columbia to what we consider to be high-level cases with regards to uh, their criminal offenses. And um, for those persons who are coming out of the institution, uh, at least 10% have housing issues. Uh, and that is a real challenge for us with regards to what we actually can do with them, uh, because they need a place to stay for us in a stability state. Uh, the other thing that your public is probably not aware of is the number of uh, reports that we do to the court uh, just to help the judge with regards to their sentencing um, structure in terms of what they're going to Im uh, imply with regards to those persons that come before them. Uh, we produce over 3,000 pre-sentence investigations a year. Uh, and on the back end of the system, as folks are coming in for re-entry, our TIPS officers will also uh, develop plans um, with regards to an investigation that will really help uh, the supervision um, you know, staff with regard to developing uh, our plans for supervision. So it really ranges the whole gamut from low-level cases to more severe cases uh, for which our staff are, are engaged in. Uh, and Yolanda will talk a little bit about uh, what she sees in terms of our recruitment because it's very important with regards to the type of persons that we're trying to bring into the organization to help us to manage this population. Yolanda, how easy, how easy is it to recruit for what we call community supervision officers, what the rest of the country refers to as parole and probation agents? So this agency is very uh, progressive when it comes to evidence-based practices. Um, our recruitment efforts are very competitive. Um, we typically can have anywhere from seven to 800 applicants and fill about 20 to 25 um, vacancies at a time. They're all people with bachelor's degrees at a minimum, right? They're 
Yes, sir. They're all people with bachelor's degrees at a minimum. And we're also looking for strong um, skills in motivational interviewing, cognitive behavioral interventions. Um, and so and also um, being able to match uh, or identify needs and match services towards those needs. So these are um, skills that are uh, quite progressive. Uh, many members um, throughout the country will not have um, these skills. So it makes um, employment with CISOs a very competitive. And, uh, I guess one of the things I would like to chime in is a lot of people think that all I have to do is sit down with somebody, read in the riot act, and then uh, they'll go straight and we'll never hear from them again. But as Yolanda just explained, this is a highly skilled profession. Uh, and I just want to re reinforce that, that uh, the skills that we are imparting or have trained to the staff are really looking at this, uh, the thinking patterns that individuals have that may not be in their best interest. And also, uh, a lot of the persons that we have at the high end of the assessment process uh, are really involved with folks who uh, are not really in their best interest with regards to their peers. Uh, so how do we now get a person who um, is thinking distortedly about life and then have that pattern change and or also have a, a tendency to associate it with people that will uh, eventually get them in trouble. Uh, and the work that the pretrial does on the front end uh, certainly can help us uh, on the back end if the judge is so inclined to grant them probation. So, Kathy. And absolutely, and Tom speaks to that because it's also as critical for us at pretrial, Lynn, to ensure that we recruit and retain highly skilled staff who support our strategic goal of maximizing pretrial justice by keeping the maximum number of defendants in the community. We offer a variety of supervision services for a population who, coming into the front of the system, are often not stable, particularly when you look at our mental health population mm -hmm. and the skills those staff need to ensure that in in a very short period of time, we're able to quickly assess and look at the needs and the risks to ensure safety rates remain high um, for our agency and make the best recommendations to the judge to consider for releasing those defendants. We provide a one of the what I think one of the best pretrial service drug court, uh, drug court programs in the country that are focused on dealing with the high-risk defendants who come through with high needs for substance abuse treatment. As with well a as, national reputation, I should add. Absolutely. With a national reputation, we are leading in that area. And we also partner very closely with D.C. Superior Court for the Mental Health Community Courts to work with them in identifying the appropriate services on the front end for those defendants with the hope of those who transition to probation and those who go into the institution to serve a period of time have some information that can be utilized by the case managers to continue to provide services and are connected if they remain in the community to services here in the city that can be utilized for the supervision purposes or transition over to CSOSA. So it's critical that we get high-skilled staff and recruit and retain those here at pretrial as well. But one of the things that amazes me is that we supervise parole and probation pretrial in this country. We've got 5 million people under our supervision on any given day. Only 2 million are behind bars. So when you talk about the correctional population in the United States, the great majority of the individuals caught up in the criminal justice system are under the supervision of parole and probation agencies. Yet law enforcement gets 10 tons of attention. Uh, 
corrections, mainstream corrections, prisons, gets 10 tons of attention. Why is it that parole and probation agencies get so little attention and recognition throughout the United States, considering the fact that on any given day, five out of every seven people caught up in the criminal justice system are under our auspices? Well, as you uh, started out the program by talking about um, the purpose of this program, which is uh, pretrial probation and parole officers week, uh, that's exactly why uh, the American Parole and Probation Association, APPA, uh, at its 21st uh, anniversary, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, wanted to recognize uh, the work that's done in both pretrial parole and probation services. Uh, the folks who are getting the most recognition, as you indicated, were law enforcement, anyone that carries weapons, uh, the correctional officers who actually do uh, a great job. So we're not diminishing uh, the work that's done by our law enforcement, law enforcement partners. However, when we look at the work that's being done by um, the staff in uh, the community, where the bulk of the population is, where the bulk of the work is done, and I might add where the success that we're having is really as instrumental in first not folks not returning to prison. Uh, for an example, this agency has a, a 70% rate of satisfactory completion. So when you look at the, some of the high-end folks that we have on the supervision, whether or not they be sex offenders, uh, folks with behavioral health, uh, issues that uh, people bring into us uh, because of uh, lack of housing, in a sense, given the, the, finance, the institutions that are in society that are uh, really help there to help folks to stay on the right track, those systems have failed. Education systems has failed in some respects of faith. Families have failed. failed. Communities Families. have failed. So it's left to us in community uh, supervision just to try to put some underpinnings under those persons that come to us uh, just so that we can give a, a, a different direction and then give a different uh, avenue uh, for these individuals to uh, be a little bit more successful. But the people who come to us, the people who work for us, they've got to be top-notch and they've got to be on top of their game every day. You know, we're lucky. I mean, in court services and offender supervision agency, we average 50 to 1 ratios. Other parole and probation agencies throughout the country, my heavens, they're 200 to 1. Uh, I've seen 250, 300 to 1 parole and probation agent. We have an extraordinary opportunity. Uh, our people, our personnel have an extraordinary opportunity opportunity to have a meaningful impact on the lives of people under supervision. Yolanda? Uh, yes, Lynn, I can attest to that. I was the supervision officer uh, outside of the district in another state, and I can definitely tell you that I've had over 200 cases to uh, just poor little me um, having to make contact within 30 days. Usually agencies um, with the numbers that carry those numbers are mainly doing surveillance. Um, and what's really required if you're going to um, impact offender change will have to be the accountability on the surveillance side as well as um, the interventions and programming and cognitive behavioral um, restructuring. Right. Um, and w without those resources, it's very difficult, or the evidence has shown that the um, rate of recidivism will be higher um, without those services. Right. But we, we're lucky to the point where we even control some of our services. But the bottom line, I, I'm just going to make this final point. Our employees, whether they be pretrial or whether they be community supervision officers known elsewhere as parole and probation agents, again, 
we don't have any problems recruiting people from my understanding. Um, we get lots of people coming in. Law enforcement struggling to find people. Corrections is really struggling to find people. We don't struggle to find people. People want to come to work for this agency uh, because A, we're a federal agency. B, we pay fairly well. C, we train fairly well. Um, so people feel that they can do something different within this agency that they can't do elsewhere. That's my guess. You want to well, offer yeah, and I wouldn't say we don't necessarily have trouble finding people. It's finding the right person. Right. And as uh, Yolanda alluded to, the work of the parole and probation officer traditionally has really changed. Uh, and there's no more um, – we're just past those days where I can come in, you know, with a, a BA degree or something in the behavioral sciences uh, and – pretty much work your magic. You really have to understand uh, the literature with regards to uh, cognitive restructuring, cognitive behavior intervention, uh, motivational interviewing, and those are skills uh, that a lot of folks who come to the door really don't have. So we're not bringing in individuals just because, quote, unquote, I have a degree. You have to demonstrate your skill level uh, either in an academic setting or that prior employment setting before we actually bring you in. You've got to be good is the bottom line. I'm going to take a break and reintroduce all three of my guests, and then we'll pick back up on that question. Tom Williams, Associate Director of Community Supervision Services, Court Services and Offender Supervision Agency, Yolanda Bethay. She is Deputy Associate Director, again, on, with working with Tom. And we have Catherine Terry Kusar. She's the Associate Director of Operations of the Pretrial Services Agency of the District of Columbia. We are doing this in celebration of the American Probation and Parole Association's celebration of pretrial probation and parole Supervision Week, uh, ordinarily doing the month of July. The theme of the American Parole and Probation Association is a force for positive change, and that's how we see ourselves. Uh, Catherine, do you want to pick up on that, that we are a force for positive change in the lives of the people that we deal with? Absolutely, and I'd like to echo uh, Tom's sentiments in terms of while we do face challenges sometimes recruiting because we want the best staff and those who do have the strong clinical skills as well as the case management skills to come in and impact change and make a difference in individual lives. It's no longer the day sit at the desk, check in at the door, leave, but to actually do meaningful work with the defendants at pretrial services, and we invest a great deal into our staff, Lynn, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why we have a history of retaining strong staff because we push and encourage staff to engage in training. We bring a lot of the training in to ensure they maintain the skills so that we can implement the best practices in community supervision, consistent to those of CSOSA. Um, it is different in community corrections now. It's, it's a different game. As the city has changed and the demographics of those coming in, our strategic direction has changed to work with them and to look at mm-hmm. that. Um, recently, as I'm sure you are aware, as we're dealing now with a new issue, um, relatively the spike in the use of synthetic drugs and yep. the challenges. So both agencies, when they're gearing up to look at how we best develop strategies to intervene in those and continue to integrate the best practices in that. And we're very proud of that activity. But could you imagine the policy implications of the 5 million people that are under community supervision throughout the United 
United States, what it means if they fail. Because they go out and commit additional crimes. They go out and do somebody else an immense amount of harm. The financial considerations are also immense. I mean, if they all go back to prison, we could shut down the prison systems in the United States tomorrow if we revoked everybody um, back to the prison system. So the states, they're saying, my heavens, parole and probation, save us. Save us from this huge correctional population. Save us from creating more prisons. Protect us. Uh, protect our public safety. And by the way, at the same time, the person who has a history of substance abuse, mental health problems, not a good job history um, with a, a, a female, oftentimes they're the ones who are principally responsible for kids. By the way, take care of all of those social problems that accompany the individuals that we have. That's almost impossible to do, but we do it in terms of community supervision in this country every day. And we do it well right here in the nation's capital, Lynn. Oh, and I think we do it better important. than anybody else, but that's, uh, that's my own bias. Absolutely we do, but I think it's why it's important that we must work to make sure that we identify the levels of risk and those factors with the work we do, while for us here at pretrial conforming to the legal principles around the least restrictive uh, recommendations to continue to keep folk in the community, but to safeguard public safety which is one of our primary responsibilities and ensuring individuals get back to court. Pretrial has a higher return rate than the vast majority of uh, pretrial service agencies in the United States without committing new crimes. The great majority of the people under our supervision do complete it successfully at court services and offender supervision agency. We put together some data that indicates that we're moving in the right direction by moving in an evidence-based direction, by looking at the research, by being honest as to what the research has to say, and in embracing that new direction, Yolanda. Um, you're absolutely correct. And one of the factors that helps us um, be successful are our graduated sanctions as well. We want to um, have offenders to remain in the community, supporting their families um, as much as possible. Now, we, with that said, um, we still want to hold them accountable for their behavior. So we do practice here swift, um, swift um, and certain sanctions. We do also recognize um, positive behavior as well, and we have... Um, um, award ceremonies and recognition ceremonies for those who have completed um, particular programs, educational programs, obtained employment. And so um, we really do pour a lot into the offenders that we um, supervise. And all of it, it, with the programming, the risk assessments that we do, as well as the recognition, help us to be successful with our population. We did a show a little while ago on correctional officer stress with the National Institute of Corrections. And my question to the National Institute of Corrections was where is the course on parole and probation agent stress? I mean, law enforcement is huge in the news, um, and law enforcement stress is also huge in the news. Uh, and I see just did the program on correctional officer stress again. We who handle the great bulk of the people caught up in the criminal justice system, um, we seem to be ignored. This is a very stressful, tough job where that individual community supervision officer, that parole and probation agent really needs to be on his or her game every single day. They can't let up. They can't be bamboozled. They can't be fooled. But at the same time, they've got to break through the barriers that that offender 
poses to help that individual and, and to work with the family, work with the community. By heavens, that's an awful lot that we ask our people to do. Absolutely. And which brings us back to the whole uh, recognition of pretrial parole and um, probation officers week anyway. The whole purpose of the week is to recognize the work that we do. Um, we have a week's worth of activities to increase morale, um, to just engage our colleagues um, in some competitive competition, just to have, um, you know, a little bit of fun. Um, so it all helps. Um, it, we also have additional trainings that we have for um we just had a training a week ago on um, trauma-informed care. Mm -hmm. uh, another topic and another um, area of training that we do is secondary trauma. Before we know that our uh, our staff, um, you know, reading the PSIs and hearing the stories and working with the offenders, that it also has an impact on us as well. Which is why we take the opportunity to have as much recognition for the staff as possible. But how do we get the public to understand us, Catherine? How do we get the public to understand what it is that we do? I don't see ten tons of of parole and probation agent shows on television um, but you know I could spend the rest of the day talking about the titles of the shows focusing on police officers I mean, how do we get the public to understand what it is we do and the real contributions that we make well you know that is a challenge Lynn particularly for agencies small as ours here's pretrial services as well as CISOSA but one of the strategies or a few of them I should say is that we are starting to work closer with our partners in the community and increase our presence in engaging with our community, whether it's attending community group meetings and those and going out in forums to share with them information, as well as at the schools and at the universities, to try to increase our presence in the public, as well as working with the national organizations like the National Social Pretrial Service Agencies, APPA, you've heard Tom Rick, and to get out there, many of our staff in both agencies go to these conferences and provide workshops on the great work that we do that's targeted on showing how we're implementing best practices successfully. So we continue to partner in the community and work with our partners in law enforcement as well as community-based agencies to increase our presence and share with them the outstanding work that we do. Uh, Yolanda also hit on something that I think is extremely important that I think our agencies do well, and that's doing the work-life balance and all because it's important because the work is very stressful for them and similar to them pretrial services. We shut down for a day or two when the courts are doing their training to provide full days of training to kind of focus mm -hmm. on and target those things as well as partner as an agency to do things like walk-run activities and mm -hmm. stuff to ensure that the agency staff on both sides have an opportunity to kind of get out, interact together, and work off kind of work through some of the things that stress so that they can come back and put their energies into impacting the lives of the defendants and offenders and their families. But I'm still confused. If, if the public depends upon us for as much as they do, Five million people any given day. We are the front line of public safety in their lives. Whether or not they're victimized, whether or not their children are victimized, whether or not their house is broken into, whether or not the person goes back to prison and we have to spend the thirty or $40,000 a year to maintain that person, the billions to build new prisons. I mean, that all depends upon us. Yet the average person, Tom Williams, the average person out there doesn't fully understand what it is we do to protect them and to save their tax-paid dollars. 
Well, one of the ways that we can educate the public is certainly from award-winning shows like yours, Lynn. Oh, jeez. Uh, and certainly uh, <laughs> with the electronics that we have available to us right now, we have uh, the Internet, certainly. This program is on the Internet. Uh, this program is certainly as a podcast, uh, certainly is out there for um, uh, the public to understand. And also your award-winning TV show oh, Thomas, uh, Thomas, is another Thomas, one. Thomas. But, 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 I mean, but seriously now, we, well, do, serious we do have, do, do we not have a perception problem? in parole and probation, not in the District of Columbia, but throughout the country. Again, the American Probation and Parole Association, they put out a campaign, a force for positive change. Mm -hmm. They do this week, every every year, and we celebrate the work of parole and probation agents. But it drives me crazy that considering the work that I see our people do on a day-to-day basis and what they do to protect the society, that they don't get more recognition for that. Well, that's true, and that's one of the reasons is certainly we don't have a real marketing campaign like uh, Providence Industry or, or the nonprofit industry does. I mean, that's that's one of the, the areas for which we actually could do a better job. But when you really look about government service, and that's basically what we're involved in, mm-hmm. we're, we are involved in government service and providing the service to the citizens of a particular jurisdiction. That's something that uh, local jurisdictions don't necessarily publicize because who gets the headlines, whether it's in education, where most of the dollars go, or whether it's in uh, the policing, where a, a large percentage of the dollar goes. Uh, But when it comes to uh, issues like uh, who's on the street and whether or not this person who committed an offense should be on the street, I I think the public attitude is shifting uh, a little bit from uh, just lock them up and throw away the keys. I mean, look what California did several years ago when they did the three strikes and you're out. Now look what's happening with California. They're in a position right now where they have to let out convicted felons. We don't want to be down that road. I think we've learned from the 1980s and the late 90s of... uh, of determinate sentencing and uh, that structure that was put in place that won't allow an individual to have an early release uh, based on either programmatic issues in the prison or based on uh, a good candidate for release. I think that is all changing right now. I think as uh, we see greater statistics from the from the Federal Bureau of Justice of Assistance with regards to who's being successful and the slow rate of return. Uh, Yolanda mentioned it in terms of graduated responses. Uh, Joan Petrocilia back in uh, the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, did her study on uh, intensive supervision programs. Uh, everybody thought that was going to be the panacea. The issue with Jones, uh, which she found in her study, was because I could watch him more, I'm going to send him back more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that's being changed, and, and we certainly can owe it to our friends, uh, the Canadians, who actually uh, really was in the forefront of evidence-based practices. So we've taken a lot of the principles you know, from that, that, those studies, those mega-analysis that show that you can have greater success with supervising and providing some level of programming and treatment versus just supervising alone. And those, that's the good news about community corrections. All right, Tom, you're going to have, uh, you're gonna have to have the final word, but I do want to emphasize that with what's going on throughout the country, more than ever, parole and probation agencies are being asked to save the criminal justice system to to provide the innovation that's necessary. And I think all three of you would agree with me, ladies and gentlemen, three people have been at our microphones today. Thomas Williams, Associate Director, Yolanda Bethay, uh, Deputy Associate Director, and Catherine Terry Kusar, Associate Director of Pretrial Services here in the District of Columbia. We've been focusing on our employees as well as American 
Parole and Probation Association's Pretrial Probation and Parole Supervision Week in July, a force for positive change. Ladies and gentlemen, this is DC Public Safety. We appreciate your comments. We even appreciate your criticisms, and we want everybody to have yourselves a very pleasant day. Thank you.